Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I have so much to say. Um, I don't know where to start, but let's start with uh, praying for uh, Josh and Ashley as they both have been exposed, Ashley through her father and um, um, Caden through a coach, and so they're doing some quarantining uh, just to be safe, and we want to make sure that uh, we pray them up so that they are healthy and their families are healthy. Um, I want to welcome everyone that is watching. I got a special guest here. He's pointing to himself, Brody, my oldest grandson, came with me, and so he, we're enjoying our time together. Um, during this time, I mean, there, there's just been a lot. I've talked to a lot of people that had to cancel Thanksgiving plans, and, and um, you know, there seems to be a little bit of uh, uh, depression <laughs> to the folks that I've talked to because we just kind of keep, uh, we, we, especially here at church, there are several I've talked to and, and staff myself was very disappointed that we had to close because we were in red and we were just seeing these signs of uh, working back to normal and it was exciting to have people uh, uh, that you could preach to here but not, not just at home but here. Anyway, and so it, it just like, oh, Two steps forward, one step back. Um, but that's the message of Advent. Right? The message of Advent is that it is the light that comes into the darkness. Um, and that's what our scripture is going to be about today. Um, and I'll share some things as we go through here, but let's begin with our scripture, uh, chapter 60 in Isaiah, uh, verses 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness is over its peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about, uh, look about you as all assembled and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you, to your riches, all of the nations. All the riches of the nations will come to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and Lord, I praise you for all that you have done and all that you will do. I pray that you would guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, that you would guide them to all those that are listening here today, and Lord, we would each receive the message that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you know the book of Isaiah, we're, we're going through the book of Isaiah for Advent, and let me remind you that this is really the start of the new year, at least for the liturgical calendar, for the church calendar. The beginning of Advent is the beginning of the new year. And so we have new hope as we look at our situation, as we look at the landscape of, of our country and of this world. Uh, we are, take this time during Advent each day as we work through this, that to, to think about the deeper meaning of what this means. About what we really celebrate. Too often when things, times are good, 
and we are thriving and things are normal in the world, then we go through and, and we just kind of have the nice Jesus stories and the baby Jesus and the manger and kind of the, the, the soft Jesus. But if we really get down to what Advent is talking about, there's some dark stuff involved. There's some heavy, cosmic, worldly things that are going on. Such as our scripture now. Because when we talk about hope, and we look at Isaiah on the, uh, on the concept of hope, we can't go to the light of God's hope and the joy of hope without understanding the darkness that we're talking about. Isaiah, especially if you read the first 20 cha or 30 chapters, it's a rough, <laughs> rough, bleak existence that the Israelites are living. Uh, the entire book of Isaiah uh, goes through the scope of uh, being dominated by Assyria, the Babylonians. Um, I mean, and if you read it, it's some dark stuff. It's some heavy stuff. And that's what it's talking about when it's talking about the darkness falls upon the land. The book of Isaiah is about a rebellious people that God eventually gives over to the consequences of their choices throughout Kings and in the story of Chronicles as it talks about the Kings. It's constantly in the prophets warning them, warning them that they're getting further and further away from God. Telling them, what, if you keep doing this, God, go back to Deuteronomy, promised them, reminded them before they went into the promised land, do not forget me. Do not forget my laws. Do not forget to be obedient because that's going to keep you close to me. And they constantly forget. And then they want a, a king like the worldly king, why? No good reason, just because everyone else has one. We, sh we should have a king. And then a series of bad kings and bad choices and moving further and, and going through this ebb and flow of close to God, far from God, close to God, far from God. They, they end up, God finally just says, okay, here you go. This is what you want. And so one way we can look at God's judgment all the time, but especially in the Old Testament, is he eventually hands them over to the consequence of their choice. It was their choice. God was constantly calling them back into relationship, but they were constantly unfaithful and rebellious people. And they found themselves in a place they did not want to be. And this is the darkness that Isaiah talks about. This is the darkness that the Israelites find themselves in. And I won't go into it because things are bleak enough already, but if you want to find out what it, a really rough existence is, what real darkness is, go read some early chapters of Isaiah and find out what they were living in. And it is because the darkness is so dark that the talk of this light of hope is so exciting and it is so great. See, this is the thing about God. He never handed them completely over to darkness. He handed them over to the consequences of his choices, but he was always right behind. 
That's the one thing we can be sure of. No matter how dark things get in our lives personally, in the world, in our country, whatever it is, that we know that God is there. First John, or in the first chapter of John, it says, And the light came into the world, and the darkness did not overtake it. And this is the hope of Israel. That God is going to come and he is going to restore them. And in our text it says it's going to be in such a glorious way that all the, the, the nations will come to them with their riches. And there's, thing, there's a thing about prophecy in the sense that oftentimes in the Old Testament there, there was a prophecy about what actually was going on in the immediate future. But also a prophecy about what is to come. And so there is also prophesying about Jesus that will come into the world, into the darkness of the world, because darkness is part of life. You know, as soon as Adam and Eve and, and, and the original sin and darkness and sickness, we talked about sickness last week, we can talk about it as sickness, we can talk about sin as sickness or darkness. And darkness came into the world. And God is constantly piercing that darkness. And he's done that ultimately with Christ. But we have to be aware of the darkness. Because it, it, darkness doesn't just come into our country, into the world, into our lives um, in just one big swoop, right? Sometimes a devastating event will happen. Sometimes it does. And it comes upon, but normally it comes upon you how? Just seeps in. A little at a time. You know, oftentimes you know, people don't find them ra themselves raging alcoholics or addicted to porn or on heroin or anger issues. Uh, like they just started there. One day they weren't and the next day they were. Right? It was slowly, a little bit at a time. Kind of like we talked about the new normal. You just kind of ease there. Before you know it, there's darkness. I met with a friend. A friend called me over from another church and called me and said, hey, can we meet? And I said, yeah. So we met and I had a feeling what it was, but he was just basically saying he was feeling dry and kind of depressed and isolating himself and uh, just been angry. And so you could say there was a certain darkness there. We've all been there. We might be there right now. And that's, and that's what it was, and we visited, and I said, well, let me ask you something. Remember this time about six months ago, we were meeting quite a bit, and you were you know, involved in this group that was helping people, and you were um, really involved with helping these hurting, broken people, and I know you were reading your scriptures because I'd given you some, and I know you were praying, and uh, I know you were in church all the time. And I said, you remember that time? And you were just, you were feeling it. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, are you doing any of that stuff right now? He said, no. See, we, we stop filling ourselves with the things of God, with the light that God gives us, and eventually the darkness creeps in. And that happens to all of us. And I told him, I said, now I'm not saying this as some um, wise person that figured out what your situation was. 
Because what happens to you, what happened to you, happens to all of us if we don't do it. If we stop do, living in the means of grace that brings us closer to God, then slowly the world will creep in. Ourselves will creep in. Things, the darkness slowly comes and overtakes us. You know, I've never had somebody come to me and say, Pastor, man, I'm just feeling dry and there's like this darkness that's hovering over my heart. Things are just getting to me and, and I've never given them what I call the quiz, right? And they, and they pass the quiz. And the quiz is, are you in the word? Are you going to worship? Are you praying? Are you helping other people? Are you serving, sacrificing? Are you Christian fellowship? No one ever said, yep, I'm doing all of those and I just don't feel God. Right? And so, especially in these times when we talk about light in the darkness, we have to maintain our light. We have to fan the flame and not let it dim, not let it die. Because of the times that we are in. You know, it's very frustrating as a pastor that, that I, I'm used to talking to people and helping people as those that call me in this time, as my friend did, and, and sharing God and sharing the word and, and whatever it is, praying. And there's so much isolation. You know, I'm not isolated that much, but isolated from doing, being a pastor. And that's frustrating for me. So let me throw in a plug here, right? If you're going through these times and you're not doing the means of grace, you're opening yourself up to darkness in whatever form that comes into your life. It could be in a lot of different ways, but you're opening yourself up to it. So live, be intentional about your means of grace, living in to those things that bring the light of Christ into your life. And if you feel yourself in there, don't just sit there and say, well, I guess I can't go to church. Call me. Call a brother or sister in Christ. Don't just, as we say in my family, waller in it. Right? Get out of it. It's a, it's a phone call away. We need to rely on each other and we need to be more intentional about keeping our light lit. Because in reality, think about the process, right? Israel, the light is coming into the darkness. That means God is going to deliver you from your current situation so you can have hope. And so the talk of light in the darkness brings hope. And understand, there's different kinds of hope. There's the, just the wishful hope. I, w I hope I win the lottery. Right? Or I hope the Bears win the Super Bowl. Today, I just hope they beat the Packers. But I hope, right? I hope. It's just, it's based on nothing. It's just a wish list. It could be a fantasy. But that's not the hope that we talk about during Advent. The hope that we talk about is not based on something that comes in here, but it's based on something outside of ourselves. And if it's based on something outside of ourselves, it's only as reliable, or pretty good bet hope, but it's not a for sure. 
The reason that our hope as Christians, our hope during this time of Advent is such a light in our lives and in the world because our hope is not based on ourselves. It, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God and what he has done for us in Christ. The promises of God. God is faithful. God has never broken a promise. Look at Israel. Even though they deserved it, he was faithful to his promise and to his people. And so our hope is in the one that never changes, that is always faithful. And so our hope, ultimately, because it's hope in God, becomes more than just hope. It becomes faith. And we trust. Even in the darkest times, God can deliver us. And we need to understand that that our hope is outside of ourselves. I can have hope not be in myself, not in the world, not in the things of the world, but I have hope in God and what God has promised and God has never let me down. So the hope I have is more than just hope, it's trust and faith. Not that I hope God will deliver us out of the darkness, I hope God will deliver me out of the darkness. I know God will deliver me out of the darkness because he's done it over and over and over again for me and for other people. And that's what our scripture tells us. So we need to make sure that we grasp what the hope we have what it is, and that it's not in ourselves, but it's in God, and that we understand that. Because here's the other thing. When we begin to talk about the incarnation, the incarnation is that God is with us, that, God, that Jesus Christ is fully human and fully divine. He's at, he is fully human, but he has the very spirit of God as a part of him. And if we carry that on out through the book of Acts on to today, as Jesus has ascended and sitting at the right hand of God and is waiting to come back, we understand that the incarnation happens in us. We are the body of Christ that are filled with the spirit of Christ. And where does the light of God's hope and the light of Christ's hope come into the world? It's supposed to be from us. We're supposed to be reaching out to people. We're supposed to be showing that kindness, that humility, that joy. We are the light, the little lights of Christ that God left into the world until Jesus comes back. So I understand sometimes I feel defeated or depressed or darkness, but I know I have an obligation. I have an obligation to Christ. I have an obligation to those that are living in darkness, to those that are hurting, those that are depressed, those that are sick, those that are going through financial problems. Somebody's supposed to be the light of Christ to them. And that's us. So if I let my flame dim, how am I supposed to be the light of Christ? How are we supposed to be the light in the darkness? And we don't do it by our own ability, but we do it by the power of God. So make sure as we go, we understand who our hope is in. 
And because our hope is not in ourselves alone, but our hope is in Jesus Christ and what God has done for us in Christ, that it's more than hope. It's trust and faith. And we need to be sure and we need to shore that up because we are supposed to be the hope of Christ to people around us. When we shine the light of the love of Christ and kindness and generosity and service to those that are hurting, those that are living in darkness, then we are bringing hope to their lives. And you know how you have become a, a, a community of hope? With a bunch of little people that are sharing hope with one another. So I encourage you to make sure that, that you meditate, you, you pray, you, you, you think about what it is when we say that Jesus Christ is the light of the world that has pierced the darkness and the darkness cannot overtake it. And then who we are as the body of Christ. We are Christ's hands and feet. We are the, the human beings filled with the very spirit of Christ that we are supposed to be the light of hope in somebody else's life. I'm going to give you an Advent gift. Quick tool. And, and Brody's here. I've taught him this. And he woke up in the middle of last night praying. So, so this I've been reading some Eastern Orthodox theology and it's very common in their faith. It's called the Jesus Prayer. You already know. You want to come say it? Oh, that's very good. You probably didn't hear that at home. But it's just a prayer that they say repetitively over and over and over in times. And the idea is to, I think about those times. I've been kind of living into it and praying in the spirit that they intend it. Hold on. We've got 10 people here and we got a heckler. Uh, so the idea is even if you're just driving or you just have those times of empty thoughts, why don't you fill your thoughts and your heart with Christ? So it's for, for times where you just kind of, uh, your mind is wandering or it's times when you're afraid, or you're feeling anxiety, or you need strength. And so it's just real easy. It's called the Jesus Prayer. It goes, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And what mercy means, it has two meanings. Mer mercy is that God forgive us of our sins and strengthen us in our weakness. Right? And so we say it at those times that we need a, a quick fix of God to fill our head, to fill our heart, to push any negative out, to, to be the light of God's word, the light of Christ. And I tell you, I've been doing it for like a month, and it helps. I've, I taught Brody it. And last night, in the middle of the night, like five in the morning, he woke up and he had a nightmare. And I could hear him over there going, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And so I give that to you to practice. You know, if, if you're feeling dry, you're feeling scared, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, whatever it might be, just try it. What do you have to lose? Asking God for his forgiveness of your sins, 
And one might be more appropriate, one definition might be more appropriate than another. Maybe it's a forgiveness of sins or maybe I need some strength my weaknesses and just say it over and over in your head or in your mouth. But I thought, as I thought about Brody saying that, I said, boy, what a gift I've given him that he already has that, that in times he can fall back to a prayer to Christ and that he's doing it. Uh, and I thought, I wonder how many adults do that. I thought, maybe not enough. So maybe I shouldn't just keep it to me and Brody, but I should share it with y'all. So Jesus Christ is the light in our darkness. And it doesn't matter how dark things get throughout history, throughout Scripture, God has always intervened. God has always come in and brought hope. And so we can have hope that is assured because it is of God through Christ, not us. As we come into communion, obviously times are unique. So I know the bishop had opened up, and I think it still is. Otherwise, I might be in trouble, but that's all right. Um, so if we, we, we thought, Talking about two steps forward, we're like, oh man, we're blowing and going. We're having in-person worship. I think we only have a couple cars. Let's, let's stop drive-through worship. Boom, red zone next Sunday. So that, that timing was on us. But if you have elements at home during service, um, those will count. Um, if I will be consecrating them as I consecrate ours and those that are the few that are here uh, you have the, the packets. Uh, but going forward, because I'm not giving up hope. <laughs> we are praying for orange, right? That is our prayer. We're praying for orange and praying for orange quickly so that we can get back to our in-person worship. But into, So we're not going to start up drive-through communion because I'm trusting that this is going to be a very short, temporary fix. But as we do communion, when I consecrate these elements, whatever, whatever elements you bring to the table at home, uh, we, they will be in our consecration. So let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to your table, I pray that uh, uh, your spirit would be with us, that we would feel your presence, that we would know that in the broken bread and, and, and the shed blood, Lord, that you gave your life as a human sacrifice, that you might be raised to new life. Even in the darkness of the cross, Lord, you were raised to new life. Out of that darkness came light and life. And we praise you and are reminded of that through this holy sacrament. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.